Last night, if you were at our dinner table, you would have seen our little uh, two-year-old, Evangeline. She is is Anna, which most of you might go, I know who Anna is. Uh, But for some of you, you don't, and that is her right there. Okay, that's the first time I've ever used the red pointer, and I love it. Uh, So, if you were at our table, this was our Halloween costume, Evangeline um, was uh, eating grapes at dinner table, at dinner last night, and she kept handing me the grape, and I had to pull the stem off of the grape for her to eat it. And if there were times where she put it in her mouth and began to chew, she would hand me a half-chewed grape for me to pull the stem out, and she would put the rest of that back in her mouth. When you're a parent, you do stuff like that out of love. You hold your kids' chewed food. Now, why do I share that story with you? Well, I hope it will become clear, but here's why I share. She is a two-year-old, and there is coming a day where she will not need my help anymore to chew grapes. In fact, I would like to suggest to you that if she's in your seat, some 16 years removed now, and she is a horned frog here at uh, Stadium and University, and um, I get a phone call one day and she says, Dad, will you come help me? There's grapes on the menu tonight. (laughs) We've got problems. Because my daughter has not matured. She has not learned how to eat grapes for herself. Why do I suggest share that with you? Well, I want you to see that what really is at the heart of your life, if you are a Christian, is the idea of maturity. I don't mean maturity in a pejorative sense, like you need to grow up, like your parents may have said to you. No, I just want you to see that what is at the heart of the gospel is that there is a God who saves us right where we're at and then grows us and then matures us by His grace. Listen, hear me out very carefully on this. I want you to hear me say two things in particular right now. One, that God always welcomes hot messes to Himself. People who are broken. People who are sinful. People who cannot keep their life together. And He says, come to me, warts and all, period, full stop. And that is great news for you tonight. But there's also a second part of what the gospel also teaches us, and that is God's grace certainly meets us where we're at, but it never, ever, ever leaves us there. It always moves us along, changing us, and that process is what I'm calling maturity. In other words, the goal for you, if you are a Christian tonight, is maturity. God wants you in a very positive way for you to grow up, for you to develop and to become more like Christ. He wants you to mature in Christ, and that is where I get this text from, from Colossians chapter 1, where Paul writes this to the church in Colossae when he says, this is my aim for all that I do in ministry. And if it's good enough for Paul in his ministry, it's good enough for us to listen to when he says this, Him, Jesus, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, here it is, for what purpose, Paul? That we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works 
in me. What this means is this, y'all. At the heart of the gospel is really, really deep, radical change that takes liars and turns them into truth-tellers. That takes thieves and makes them generous people. That takes folks who cannot um, seem to give a rip about God into profound, passionate followers of His. That is what lies at the heart of what God is up to in every one of your lives if you are a Christian. You see, even if you've been a Christian for a while, I I think it's okay for us to say that um, this doesn't happen overnight. There's a process that happens over many, many years, and it ends when you die. Theologically speaking, we call that process sanctification. It's a process whereby you grow and to turn into more like Jesus. This is very, very important because I want you to see tonight we are going to talk about maturity. We're going to talk about growing up and how that relates to dating. And I want you to see that I'm not talking down to you tonight when I talk about growing up. I mean it in a very positive sense. There's no shame behind what I want to say. But I want to say this. We're going to look tonight at the goal of maturity, and that is for you and for me to grow up to mature in Christ. And I think this is profoundly important for a couple of reasons that I'm going to lay out tonight. I want to define maturity in this way. It comes from my friend John, who I mentioned earlier. And this is a great definition, I do believe, that maturity really is taking responsibility for yourself and for others. That really is what's behind the idea of biblical maturity. And we'll take a look at that in a little bit. Now, the first little note I want to make here, I have six points tonight and I'm going to fly through them. No, it's not going to be an hour and a half sermon. It is going to be normal time. We're just going to condense things down really quickly. So let's take a look at this first idea. What does maturity mean, therefore, in our dating relationships? Here is what I mean. One, it means having open hands. What do I mean by that? Well, Think about with me for a moment how most sort of scenarios go sometimes in a dating relationship. There's a girlfriend, there's a boyfriend. The, uh, uh, one of them turns to the other and they say, hey, what are you doing on Friday night? We should go out and get dinner. And she might say, um, I'm sorry. i got pl- plans with my girlfriends. We're going to go out and catch a movie. And in that moment, he may not express it, but he feels a deep angst. Because in that moment... He is beginning to experience, wait a second here. We usually go out every Friday night. We have an implicit deal that our time is for the other. And I want to begin to say tonight that what maturity means for you in relationship is that, I'll put it very, very bluntly. Are you ready for this? You do not own another person nor does another person own you. This means that what we're always trying to do, I think wrongly in dating, is to try to control and to use other people in relationships in ways that the Bible would call very immature. Listen, here is what I think that you need to begin to see tonight as we take a look at this. Most of the time in dating... We are trying to bring from marriage into dating 
only the things that can exist in marriage. So what that means some of the times is that you're going to look at your boyfriend or you're going to look at your girlfriend or you're going to think about it this way and say, hey, wait a second, we had a deal. You're supposed to, you're supposed to, we're together on this thing. Whatever it is. And what maturity really means for you, hear me out on this, y'all, is that you are free at any point along the line to say, I'm out. I am done. Why is that so important? Because I want you to see that dating in and of itself is not marriage. And a ton of the problems that exist as you date is because you think that dating is marriage. You're always kind of trying to bring into dating things that only exist in the world of, of marriage. Things like commitment. Things, are you ready for, things like sex. Things like sharing time. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying they can't flourish in a dating relationship. They never were meant to. And so what that means, I think, that what lies at the, that, at, uh, behind uh, the idea of biblical maturity in our dating relationships is that you will begin to see that nobody owns you and you don't own anybody. Ladies, listen to me. Hear me out on this. He does not own your body. No, no matter how much He says He does, implicitly or explicitly, He doesn't. And at any point, you are free to look at Him in the face and say, I'm out. And I want to suggest to you what we're going to see later on. That if that bro does not love you like Jesus loves you, you ought to consider getting out. I'll show you why in a little bit. He doesn't own you. And fellas, I know sometimes it might not look like that can happen the other way around. Trust me, I know that it can. And then anywhere along the road, she doesn't own your time. And it's okay for you to break up. Listen, here's what I want you to see. Maturity means that personhood is still maintained in a dating relationship. I know this might sound confusing and I can answer questions on it later, but I just want to begin to want you to see that nobody owns anybody in a dating relationship and a lot of times that's how we actually live. Secondly, maturity also means that you deal with the who question. And by that I mean this. You need to, if you are a Christian, deal seriously with what I'm about to say. The Bible is clear that if you are a Christian, you are not permitted to marry, hear that word carefully, to marry somebody that is not a Christian. Non-Christians in this room, I will address you in just a moment in light of that. But what lies at the heart of Christianity is that you are not permitted, if you are a Christian, to marry somebody who is not I'll explain this and why in just a second. Why would this matter with dating? Listen, are you ever going to marry somebody that you've not dated? No. There is not anybody in the history of Western civilization that that has happened to unless it's been an arranged marriage. And if you're into arranged marriages and that's what you want, that's fine. Be arranged to a Christian. You might look at me and say, well, wait a second, Ryan. 
The Bible doesn't say anywhere that I can't date a non-Christian. And I'm going to say, you're right. But I'm also going to look at you and say, but by good and necessary consequence, the Bible is telling you, do not date a non-Christian. So what that means is, is you need to ask yourself this. Is the person that I'm going to date, is the person that I'm interested in, and hear me out on this, is the person that I'm dating presently a Christian? And you may say, yeah, they are. They told me that they were. And I say this, I want you to listen to Jesus' own words on this. You know a tree by its fruit. And that means that you need to be discriminating, not in a negative sense, but you need to be wise. That you need to be savvy. That you need to look at your significant other and ask the question, is this man or is this woman in love with Jesus if they tell me they are? You need to... Some people say, no, no, Ryan, that's judgmental. That's judgmental. Look, the Scripture, that is not judgmental. That's the Scripture saying you employing biblical wisdom to make smart decisions about your life. And so what I want to say at the heart of what biblical maturity means is, is that you're able to say yes to some people and you're able to say no to others. The Bible is saying that that is what we must learn to do if you are going to date in a mature fashion, if you are going to grow up in Jesus. Why is this hard? Listen, I'll put it like this. I've been on campus long enough, I've talked to enough of you as students that I see this happen where some Christian gets involved in a relationship with some non-Christian. And uh, here's the batting average, a thousand. Here's the percentage, a hundred percent. It never works out. It does not work. And that is Jesus' kindness to both of them. Let me address the non-Christian. We are not saying, the Bible is not saying that you are not valuable, that you don't have dignity. It means that the, the, the Scriptures are very clear that you as a human being are an image bearer of God. But what this means is that for the Christian, at the heart of, their, the heart of hearts, they value and who they are at their core is somebody that you'll never get. And Christians, you need to hear me say this. That's why Jesus says don't date them. Because they'll never know you. They'll never know and understand and accept at the very heart of who you are what is most important to you. It's a profound warning and a profound grace too. Because hear me out on this. I'll just leave it at this. If you think that being lonely in bed at night with nobody in bed beside you is lonely... You wait till you end up in a marriage and you have somebody laying beside you in bed at night and you're lonely. That's a profound sense of distancing that can wreck and ruin and make, miser make miserable marriage. And Jesus is saying, do not do it. If you want Scripture to back this up, I'll give it to you. I'm not going to go there. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 7. And that's where I'm reading this. I just want you to see this is a serious deal that, de that really deserves mature mind and thought about it. Thirdly, maturity means that you commit to mature. I think what most of us think about maturity is, is they think, I'll grow up first and then I'll be able to commit to someone, whether that is dating or that is in marriage. But I don't think it works like that. In other words, the commitment is what matures you. Think about this. The commitment is what matures you. 
Some of you, your freshman year of college, some of y'all are experiencing this right now, you decided you were going to be a math major and you can't take the square root of four. And so it's a sober reality for you to sort of wake up one day and go, what am I doing? And you're going to have to make a decision real seriously, real quickly, that you need to change your major because you're out of your league. And therefore, you will commit after you bring home a .48 GPA this semester, and you're going to have to commit to changing your major. That committing to that major grows you up very quickly because it means you're going to have to study, you're going to have to clean up your grades, and you're going to have to apply yourself in ways that you never had to do that before. That is maturity. Secondly, some of you all know what this is like when uh, you're going to go get a job. I love talking to first-year graduates. I say, how's the working world? And they go, man, it is nothing that I expected. Why? Because I work 60 hours a week. I never see my friends. I go to bed at 8.30 to get up at 5.30. I'm developing a beer gut because I never work out. Because why? Their job is saying, your time is mine. That's growing you up. You've been committed to a job and you learn to mature. And some of you will learn this one of these days when you get married. Because you're going to be committing to somebody, and in that moment, you're going to be forced to go to somewhere else for Christmas. You're going to be forced to not get what you want all the time. And what that means in the midst of the commitment is that you begin to grow up because of the commitment. And lastly, I will say this. One of these days, you're going to find out that you're pregnant. And then you're going to get a baby. And then that's going to be the first time that you think about having kids. <laughs> and you're going to go, wait a second. This John, John Stone says this, and then it's game on. It is game on because you now realize, forget sleep. Forget taking vacation somewhere. Forget buying the next entertainment console because all your money is going to babies, their formula, diapers, and buying you new clothes because they pee and poop all over you. That's what you commit to. And I'm telling you this, all of that is what it looks like to actually grow up. So why do I say this about dating? Listen to me. I think most of us think, I will mature first, and then I'll commit myself to somebody. And I want to say with marriage in particular, hear me out, I'm talking about marriage. It does not work like that. It is by committing that you grow up. Um, I need to move on in the Q&A. If you want to ask me something about that, I will tell you more about that uh, from a personal story of mine. Maturity means, like I said here, you commit to mature, not the other way around. Let's take a look fourthly then at this idea that maturity means that you take seriously your sexual ethics. Hold on to your seats because we're about to get busy. Um, I want you to see, that might have been not the best pun. Um, you need to see, I, I'm not embarrassed at all. I mean, I can, we can talk about sex all day long, y'all. And, uh, and we're going to in two weeks. So come back. Um, I want you to see that this is very, very important. If Jesus is the Lord of all of your life, then that means that the way that you behave sexually with your body, He gets to say how that's done. And the Scriptures are very, very clear on this. That, I'll just, we'll read the Scripture on this. This comes straight from the Bible. Ready? 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this, that you are not your own, that you are bought with a price. What does that mean? That means that you yourself don't even own your own body. That's not what the culture says. The culture says it's your body. You're able to do with it whatever you want. And most of y'all think it's my body. I can do with it whatever I want. And I'm actually here to say that's just not Christianity. And what that means, growth and maturity, in that way means that you start listening to what Jesus says about your sexual ethics and your sexual practices if you are a Christian. This category does happen. People say this, Yeah, Ryan, I am a Christian, but I, th- I think that I should be able to do whatever I want to do physically and sexually with my boyfriend and my girlfriend. And I want to say to you, that's great. Why do you think that? Who gave you the rights and who gives you the authority to say that? Like, where does that right come from? Well, it comes from me. And it's at that point that we have to have a discussion about how authoritative Jesus is really in their life. Because see, if you are a Christian and you take that name, Jesus gets to say what you get to do with the body that He has given you. And what that means is very clearly, I'll say it now and we'll spell it out in two weeks, is that sex itself is the bomb. It is awesome. And Jesus wants you to have lots of it, a ton of it, so much so that you get bored with it in some ways when you're married. He is not ashamed of sex. Some of y'all are, but Jesus isn't. Jesus made it all. Who do you think made the plumbing, so to speak? He does not mock. He does not blush. Jesus made it, and in fact, He looks at it and He says, it's good. It's good. I want you to see that Jesus does not blush at all about sex. And it's good, but it's always meant to be in its proper place. We'll look at that more in two weeks. But I just want to throw out there to you that this is very, very important. Let me, let me drive in. It's sort of a, a way of application here. I meet with enough of you to hear this story. Ryan, hey, um, we got naked last night, rolling around in my bed. We're Christians. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to stop. Ready? Here's what I want to say. You have two choices. You have come to a point in your relationship where you have crossed the threshold. I don't know what that threshold is for you, but you've crossed it. And most of the time, everybody goes there. There's probably some, there's like three superhumans somewhere out there in the world. They exist in like some jungle somewhere and they're on like BBC One as like rare people on the planet. But the point is, is that once you sort of cross this place physically, you were made to get married. And so maturity for you, we're going to look at this in a moment, really is to make one of two decisions. You get married or you break up. Somebody says, I don't, but John, but Ryan, I mean, we really love each other. We, we really love each other. I'm saying, great, go get married. I can't, I'm a sophomore in college. I don't care if you're a sophomore in college. Well, my mama said I couldn't. I don't care what your mama said. The Bible says you are free to get married. And the last time I checked, it's still legal and you can go do it. And the Bible also says this. If you are burning with passion, here's your answer. Ready? 
you get married. It's pretty clear. I think that this is what I need to say. Your sexual ethics, Jesus gets to say what you can do with them, not you. And are you growing in maturity in that way? We can talk more about that in the Q&A as well. I'm sure a ton of questions come up. I want to say this, fifthly, that maturity means that you take friendships seriously. I want you to see this, that a couple of weeks ago we mentioned that really what lies at the heart of a good relationship is the idea of friendship. You see, most of us sort of say this. I mentioned this earlier. Tim Keller points this out in one of his sermons where he says that a series of us, people will walk into a room and see a series of people of the opposite sex and they immediately write somebody off based on body type, skin complexion, or whatever immediately. And they just write off 17 people in a room of 20. And you are missing out in that moment on the opportunity for a great friendship with somebody of the opposite sex. And I want you to remember what C.S. Lewis has said as well. Remember what he said about friendship, the idea of a common horizon? He says this. He says, Friendship arises out of mere companionship when two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some insight or interest or even taste which the others do not share and which, till that moment, each believe to be his own unique treasure or burden. The typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Remember in friendship, we said that real friendship is based on two people looking at the same horizon, walking together. People ask me all the time, Ryan, what do you think I should be doing in dating? I'm going to say this, work on your friendships. Do you consider the person that you're dating to be a good friend? Do you all have a common horizon? A common horizon that involves maturity in Christ, furthering Christ's mission. Do you have that? That is what maturity looks like. And that's where friendship in so, in so many ways is so incredibly important. I'm moving through this quickly because I want to get to my last point here and drive it, and drive it home. Maturity means, therefore, here it is, that you get married or you break up. That's what I mean. I said last week, and I'll say it again, you have two options as you're dating. Either you get married or either you break up. That's the options. And at some point, you and your dating relationships are going to have to do business with that question. What are we going to do? The Bible is clear over and over again that marriage is a good thing. And to move into marriage is a very mature thing to do. But hear me out on this. I want to suggest to you that actually it's an equally mature thing to do to break up. That takes a lot of maturity. I'll close with this, one little illustration, and then, uh, and then I'll wrap it up. When I meet with students, they'll often say something like this, Ryan, I'm in a relationship with this guy, but um, I'm really, she'll say, I'm, I'm really, uh, but I don't know what to do because I really need to take care of, I need to get my career in order. I need to make sure that um, I sort of get my MBA or whatever else. But I'm, we've been dating together for about two years. We've been kind of talking about marriage and I don't know what to do. And I'm going to say um, at that point, well, what do you want more, your career or do you want to be married? And when you begin placing people like that, when you begin to rank the priorities of the heart, usually this is what happens first. What happens first is, well, I want both. And I'm going to say, 
The heart is singular in what it most wants. It cannot want two things equally. And what that means is, you are going to have to choose what is most important to you and where marriage falls on that scale. Listen to me. I talked to several graduates who say, if I, I just need to get the job locked in first, then we'll get married. I just need to uh, get the end of the law school that I want, the med school that I want, and then we'll get married. And I want to say, that is fine, so long as you're telling and living out that reality to your significant other. Because what I don't want to see is the internal, the internal desires, whatever they are, to not be expressed properly on the outside. I know that might be confusing. I just want to say this. It is an okay thing for you to say, I want law school more than marriage. That's all right. That's perfectly fine. But what is not okay is to say, I want law school more than marriage, than to look at your girlfriend and say, I want to marry you more than I want law school. Because that is not kind that is not mature, and it is not loving. And I want to suggest that if that is you, you really need to do, come talk to me, talk to one of your interns, because we need to talk. Because deep down, all of us know that that decision has got to be made at some point. And what it will lead you to is to a very mature decision of really either getting married or or breaking up. That's what you got. I want a third option. I want a fourth option. I don't have any. You have to go somewhere else. That's your options. So how are we going to think about this? Y'all listen. I'm going to close here. Some of you hear this and you go, man, maturing. That, gee, I don't know if I'm ready up, really up for that. Or I'm a Christian and this is really, really hard and heavy. Listen, y'all, do you, here, here, let's, start, let's just go back to where we started. Do y'all realize there's a lot of grace? That this is a process. And that God Himself tells us this in the book of Philippians. He says this through His Word. He says, Paul says, that I am sure, I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that God really is at work in your life to mature you. And that is incredibly comforting. It's sobering. It means that you might have to make some hard decisions in life, but it means that God is with you in the midst of all this. And it does mean that He is going to be faithful to you to your dying day. And because of that, you can have the security knowing that God is with you, that He loves you, that you are in His hand. Remember the song that we sang? That He cannot from His, He cannot withdraw His love from you. That is the immense pleasure and delight that God takes in you. And really, it's from we begin to see that for us that you're able, to be able, you're able to make decisions that move toward maturity. I hope that you'll come back after uh, we end uh, to the Q&A and ask some good questions. Well, let me pray for us. God, thank you for this night. I tell you that you would take these things and put them deep into our hearts. Free us to see, us, to see Jesus in the midst of all this um, because it seems real do and like law heavy. I don't mean it that way, Lord, but I, do, I, I mean that You change us. And because Your grace comes to us, Your grace changes us as well. So Lord, would You help us to see that in Your name. Amen.